This is a special bonus episode and is part of our Premier League Countdown series currently on the Ornstein and Chapman podcast feed. There's an episode dedicated to every single Premier League club as we build up to the return of football. So check out the Ornstein and Chapman podcast or the Athletic app to hear other episodes from the series. Hi there, it's Adam Leventhal once again. Welcome to the Athletics Premier League Countdown podcast. With the return of the 2019-20 season only days away now, we're releasing 20 podcasts on the Ornstein and Chapman feed, each one dedicated to a different Premier League team. That's two podcasts a day, every day, up until football returns. Now, if you're not already a subscriber, you can sign up right now and take advantage of our 30-day free trial by going to theathletic.com forward slash Ornstein. Steen and Chapman to enjoy the best football writing anywhere just as the season makes its return. In this episode, we are discussing Norwich City, who sit bottom of the Premier League. Uh, we can welcome the Athletics' dedicated Norwich City writer Michael Bailey to the show. He's also the host of the On The Ball podcast, which has been running episodes all season and throughout lockdown. Michael, thanks very much for coming on. I mentioned the podcast there. It's It's been a a busy time, even though we haven't had football, you've had uh, plenty to talk about. Yeah, we've had we've had loads of reminiscing. We've spoken to loads of former Norwich City um, figures. I think it's been busier than if there had actually been football. If I'm brutally honest, we've had, it's gone, <laughs> yeah. been a yeah. bit of a, a paradox. But uh, yeah, we had we got Norwich uh, former Norwich players to go and nominate who we should speak to next, and we developed a bit of a chain. It's lovely catching up with them and actually just having the time to have a proper chat about their careers. So Russell Martin, Andrew Croft, got to, Dean Ashton was a chat I did before lockdown as well. So yeah, some lovely, lovely um, pensive conversations, which is always good fun. Yeah, definitely check out the On The Ball podcast. Um, right, let's deal with, with where we find Norwich. Bottom of the table, 21 points, six points from safety. But has this reset given you... Um, reasons to be potentially cheerful that it, it might give Norwich an opportunity to claw back uh, those points and potentially get out of the trouble that they're in yeah I think I, I think it's obviously it's it's such a surreal situation we're now heading into so you, you feel like you can't now write anything off I think now that it's come into focus and the players got back into contact training I started to remind myself where we were just before it all stopped and uh, Norwich was set to host Southampton at Carrow Road. And in my head, that was a game they had to win just because of the pure number of points they would have to accumulate if they were going to stay up. So they were they were basically coming into a game where genuinely at Carrow Road against a team, you know, that that in Premier League terms is beatable at home for Norwich. Um, that was a game they were going to have to win to stay in the hunt to maintain their Premier League survival off the back of, uh, you know, lengthy lengthy form and and class that suggested they probably hadn't been good enough um and so the situation is still the same now going into this game coming up and, and if anything it's even more defined because i think now we've got a set nine games norwich have got no real baggage because they've had a longer break than they would have had if it had been a summer and the whole opportunity is there in this opening 90 minutes to go and um, set a set a tone and actually with the five or six clubs above them who are maybe a little bit more unsettled about the situation they're in they could really start to pile on 
some pressure, even though there'll be no one inside the grounds to exert it. So, uh, yeah, I guess I do feel really excited about the potential of Norwich effectively creating one of the greatest escapes that we've known given for the past three months they've been written off by everyone and a lot of people have willfully believed that Norwich just wanted the season to end and scrap relegation and that was that um so they've got that wonderful opportunity but by the same token it probably puts even more weight on the first game and them actually winning it and then setting that tone for what happens afterwards because if they just go and lose then the bubble the bubble bursts immediately in terms of how Norwich have been during this lockdown period, obviously some of the teams, you know, in and around the, the relegation zone, um, some have been very vocal about the fact that they didn't want the season to continue. What have Norwich been like? Have they have they openly said uh, what they think? And do you think if if it is the case that they were thinking, come on, come on, come on, cancel the season, will that mindset affect the players? That's a great question. Um, I think Norwich has spent most of the suspension really conscious that they didn't say a lot. I don't think they felt they really needed to say a lot. Um, plus others were taking on that burden for them. <laughs> and as I've spoken to quite a few people, as I'm sure you have, everyone's aware that whatever they say, however well-reasoned or sourced it is, it only ever comes down to their point of self-interest. That's the, that's the situation and that's how everything is viewed. So Norwich, I think, they were conscious, and I know Stuart Webber's done the odd bit. He, if he spoke, he wanted to make sure it carried weight, so he didn't want to say much very often. I think when he spoke, he made his points. I think Norwich felt particularly harshly treated when issues over neutral venues and how the season would play out was kind of left the bottom six to be hung out to dry because as if they were somehow scuppering what was going to happen uh, because they wanted to save their own skin. Whereas the support across the Premier League was much greater than that. And for that that um, sort of false premise to, to come out, I think there's probably a few clubs down the bottom who felt a bit um, a bit harsh, harshly treated by that. So, um, and in terms of internally, obviously much has been said, Norwich do cut their cloth. They haven't spent a lot of money, which was something they kind of got... Um, you know they're seen as a as a role model in terms of that but by the same token some would criticize them for not having the ability to survive in the premier league because they don't spend a lot of money so um but by that token they they are well run they are they are within their means and they have used the furlough scheme and probably avoided a lot of criticism for that because of the model that they run even though they're a premier league club they've been very open internally with their players they haven't asked outright for for wage deferrals or cuts they they didn't want to do that until they really knew what the situation was and even now if if the season completes there's probably a hole that they can find ways of dealing with or then address the situation at that point so they've been very open with their players and i don't think at any point really they, they've, they've never really had a had a feeling of well let's just bin it off they, they they've they've been aware that it was likely that things would come back and and I think I don't think they've been defeatist in that way. So I don't I don't see there being any issue of them being oh we shouldn't be replaying. If anything, they've got an opportunity to do something no one either expects them to do or actually thinks they wanted, um, and that's a that's quite a powerful position to have that little to lose. So I think that's probably part of the uh, excitement and anticipation going back into the restart. And likewise, Norwich as a club have not really done anything to annoy the players from what I can tell and from what all that I've heard. So I think. 
there's a good sense of unity and, and purpose about them um, going into the restart, which which is probably all you can ask for, really. It would indeed be a great story if Norwich can do it. Um, and I, I, it was interesting sort of looking at an article that Michael Cox had written about um, how how good Norwich have been to watch and, and arguing perhaps that they'll be the best team ever uh, to be bottom of the Premier League and potentially obviously get relegated. Do you think that that will be something that they will they will cling on to. Obviously, they've they've run the club very, very well. They're not going to be in a huge amount of uh, financial problems if they go down because they haven't spent big. But do you think that they will be very proud um, in terms of the showing that they have given Premier League fans? Or will deep down they'll be thinking, oh, we should have done this completely differently? What I would say Norwich will take great pride from whatever happens this year is that they've stuck to what they are and they've stuck to their principles. If you watch Norwich play, you can get their identity and that's going to, um, that's going to continue whether they get relegated, that the, the mode of signings, the, the way they look to add value to their players. Uh, they don't always get it right, which I think has been one of the issues this year, but in general, and in terms of their philosophy of play and bringing through young younger players, they, they've done what they said they would do. They've stuck to it and they've never wavered. And I think that's that's very impressive when you see so many teams. Uh, I'd hate to bring up yours, of course, Adam, but, you know, a lot of teams do chop and change their managers and, and work in different in different parameters. And that is the thing. There are there are different ways to do it. Norwich haven't been prolific in front of goal that the, the, the fluid front three who scored so many goals last season, they, they've looked good and their movement's been wonderful. And Emi Buendia has had so many hugely impressive performances and certainly creating chances. But the guy hasn't scored a goal himself all season. It's just been only Todd Cantwell and, and Timmy Pukki. They're the only two goals who've scored more two players who've scored more than once in the Premier League this year. So, you know, Norwich have done a lot right, absolutely. Um, but, you know, they're not they're not that good at the moment because of where they are and where their flaws have been. Um, and again, I guess we're hoping, we are hoping for a reset and for something a bit different for them going forward. And hopefully the break and the time to think about and look at what they've done will just focus in the ways. And there's probably not, they're not massive, you know, issues they need to address, but one or two of them, if they can, if they can improve them, then they could be the key, obviously, over these next nine games. Now, it's interesting you mentioned Puki there. Obviously, the top scorer for the club. I suppose Norwich fans will be thinking, "Oh, he started the season really, really well. He was absolutely on fire. We've technically had a pre-season. He can do it again. They need him to be on point, don't they? If they're going to have any chance of of surviving." Yeah, 100%. They have been reliant on him this year. I think the the three behind are crucially are crucial to it because they create the chances, but also if they can chip in with goals, it it just distracts a bit from them what team is doing. I think Norwich became so reliant on him, it became very easy to stop Norwich scoring. Um and it's it's really interesting. I did a I did a piece on the Athletic. Um, I enjoyed doing it because it was it was a bit of analysis and I hadn't really done anything like that for a couple of months. Um, just looking into how Tamu's season broke down, and it did break down into some clear parts. And he had a toe injury um, at Leicester middle of December, and he had a really difficult period after that. And even though he missed the game at Manchester United in January, he he never really recovered from it in terms of his club form. And it's the it's the great question now. I mean, you don't have you you can create unsustainable form over nine games. You just have to hit the ground running and, and be there. And um, it will be it'll be fascinating if he can do that because that it is something like that that sort of spark that will make the difference. Norwich have got a striker on their books who 
is uh, as proven he can do it at a really elite level and completely outperform the chances he's being provided that was what his first that was what his start of the season was he, he outperformed his xg uh, more than twice over in those first five games um and you just don't know how they're going to go into it. It's, it's hard to imagine everyone being and not being rusty and it, it taking a while. But I think he's a huge asset to Norwich. And um, he, he, it's hard not to say how, how important he will be from, straight from the off, straight from that Southampton game. And, and maybe just even the first chance he gets a, a bit like in the opener at, at Liverpool. You know, he got one chance at Anfield. He took it. It was a brilliant goal. Norwich lost 4-1, but they then, you know, won two of the next uh, four games. So, uh, and including against Manchester City, of course. So uh, that is one of the things Norwich fans will be hoping for. It's interesting you mentioned assets there. In terms of the, the saleable assets at the football club, what is it, what is the approach going to be if the worst comes to the worst and Norwich end up in the championship next season? Is it going to be a, a mass exodus? I um, It's... This is, a, I mean, the situation now is so different. In some ways, I think what has happened over the last few months may help Norwich. I think we don't know what the transfer market's going to be like um, and whether that will adjust how maybe some players think and, and feel in terms of waiting it out and seeing what they've got at Norwich. Um, likewise, we don't know what spending power anyone is going to have and how much are they going to be willing to, to pay for for players um will Norwich still be able to attract what they want Norwich have said that they um they they feel uh, that they're still in a really strong position that they won't have to sell anyone uh I think they will sell and I think it will depend on the sort of trigger prices they get for certain players uh, there are you know someone like Max Ahrens who's been so supremely consistent at a high level uh it's hard not to see someone coming in for him. But again, who comes in for him? I think Tottenham might have been a very good fit, but if they're in a, in a bit of financial um, difficulty, are they going to want to pay top dollar that they would have to play from Norwich? Norwich are not going to be an easy touch. It's going to be... And, and they've probably got to work out at what point they want to cash in Norwich um, over, you know, the sort of... They've been very good at trying to sell players a progressive amount so that they can keep asking for more, setting their own benchmarks. They did it with Alex Pritchard, the Murphy twins, James Madison, and that was kind of the bench. But the world is so is going to be so different going into the next transfer window that um, what they can then command is, is a real aspect that's going to need to be thought through over how their model progresses. Um, I don't see a lot of players leaving and, and I do still see Norwich in a strong position and, that's maybe where you think, well, Timu Puki, a team getting up into the Premier League, might take a punt on a on a player who didn't cost Norwich anything. But by the same token, Norwich can't rip the you know rip the squad apart because any hopes of them bouncing back and a, a sustainability to what they're trying to do disappears with it. So uh, it's going to be an incredibly interesting summer, and I guess a quick one because again, how, how long is this summer transfer window going to go on for? And and when are the seasons going to restart? There are so many unknowns. But um, I, I think Norwich have tried to build value into players this season, regardless of how things have gone. And I think you have to say, when you look at Todd Cantwell, Max Aarons, Jamal Lewis, Ben Godfrey, especially, Emi Buendia to an extent, um, you know, they've definitely done that. And, you know, fair play, that, that was one of their uh, goals at the start of the season. Final question. I, I know you've said that a lot is riding on that first game against Southampton to sort of set the tone. But how long 
Do you think they're going to be able to string this one out? And do you think that they can and will get out of it? <laughs> um, oh, I really hope so, because the, the narrative of it covering the club would be phenomenal. And I, I do like the idea of a few clubs being above them, just sort of going, Ugh, you're kind of hoping it was only going to be another couple that would not and not all three. So I quite like that. And obviously it would be a fascinating story. I think I think it's the first two games, really. Um, so as I say, Southampton's a huge game. Norwich need a positive result from that. It's then Everton, again at Carrow Road. So Norwich's first two games, both at Carrow Road. Those opening two games are really set up for Norwich to get two positive results if they're in the right frame of mind and if they are feeling strong enough and fit enough, ready to push on. Um, I don't know if I can look any further forward than that. They they certainly, I think they do play f- four or five of the teams only within seven places of them in the table. It is 100% in their own hands, but they need to start grabbing it from the very start and we'll see where we are after the first two games. We will indeed. I wish you uh, a qualified amount of luck, Michael, in the, uh, the <laughs> remainder. I'll take the it. Remainder, <laughs> remainder of the season. Thanks very much for, for coming on. Yeah, good luck for, for the remainder of the season. Um, if you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, make sure that you go to theathletic.com forward slash Ornstein and Chapman to enjoy all of Michael's writing on Norwich City plus a lot more. Uh, you can currently take advantage of a 30-day free trial if you want to try it out before committing to that full subscription and with that you'll be able to enjoy the best football writing as the Premier League returns and make sure that you download the Athletics dedicated Norwich City podcast on the ball Michael releasing a new episode every single week so you can listen back to some of those recent episodes right now just to get you in the mood for the return of the Premier League and keep an eye on this podcast feed and the Athletic app to hear all 20 of our Premier League countdown podcasts each one dedicated to a different team. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back for the next one soon. 